seated. Well, good singing indeed. I'm glad you can be at church this morning. Jason's over there smiling. Every time I go out of town, crazy stuff happens. We were missing last week, but you were too on Sunday morning because we had no power in this place. Uh, I asked Luke. Luke's our resident KU man. He works out on the lines and repairing them. Like 130 hours of work this week for those guys on the line restoring power. And uh, I appreciate what you do. And all of us having power appreciate those that are willing to help within their community. It doesn't hurt either that they give you overtime. Uh, so anyway, glad you're here. Glad we're here. <clears throat> glad we can be in the house of God uh, this morning. We will be in Genesis chapter number 22. If you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles there. I've enjoyed the singing and the music this morning. It's putting our hearts and our minds in the mode of worship, to come around the Word of God and to learn of God, to learn from God. That's what we come to Sunday morning service to do. It's why we gather together. It's not just for the fellowship. That's a wonderful part of it, but it's about the worship of God as we will see this morning, in particular in the life of Abraham. We've been studying Abraham, but I, I thought I would read the verse that Zach used in opening worship this morning uh, in Isaiah 55 in verse 11 because it's going to be very important, or at least it's going to make an important point in what we're preaching on today in the life of Abraham. In verse 11 he read, and I'll read again for us, So shall my word, God is speaking here through the prophet Isaiah, be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. But it, that is the word of God as it's spoken, shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. That is going to be important this morning because in Genesis chapter 22, where we all are for our reading today, we're going to find that God says to Abraham, sacrifice your son for me. What would you do? If God came to you and said, I require your child, it was a great lesson in the lesson on Abraham this morning about sacrifice and the level of commitment and expectation God has of those who are his followers. Here is the point. There is faith in sacrifice, but that sacrifice means all of you, not part of you. Genesis chapter 22 is where we are for our reading today where we will preach in this service this morning. The Bible says in verse 1, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. That word tempted means to test or to try or to prove Abraham. And said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Abraham said, Behold, here I am. And he, that is God, said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave, or cut the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then... 
On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. If that part of the verse is not underlined, it should be. Abraham understood that sacrifice to God was the highest form of worship that there can be in the life of a follower of his. I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Father, help us, I pray this morning, as we read this passage, as we study this chapter, and we understand once again this man of faith, Abraham, and his walk with you. Sometimes your ways do not make sense to us. Sometimes your purposes are higher than what we can imagine and even understand. But when you speak, your word goes out and prospers in the thing that you sent it to do. That is our call to worship this morning as we understand this story and this lesson in the life of Abraham. The words given to him in this moment in chapter 22, in reality in his life some almost 4,000 years ago now, is the reality for each of us this morning as well. Your word teaches us of sacrifice. May we be followers of Christ, obedient believers in the word of God and salvation, and may we wholly give ourselves over to you. Bless, I pray in this hour and in this sermon, in Jesus' name, amen. To this point in our study of Abraham and his walk with God, we have studied his walk as a walk by faith. His faith was in surrender, his faith was in stewardship, his faith was in sanctification or being set apart unto God and from the world around him. Now we read here in Genesis chapter 22 that his life of faith, his walk with God was one of sacrifice as well. God wants faithful people to offer all that they are back to him. Understand, this message this morning is not going to be an easy one to hear. What I said is important, and you must understand it, so I'll say it again. God wants faithful people to offer all that they are back to Him. Not all that you have. God doesn't care what you have. God cares for who you are. And so what we find in this story is everything that Abraham was was tied to the promise that he hoped for from God in Isaac. And so God comes to him and says, I am requiring Isaac. Will you give it to me? Abraham was asked to offer all that he was and all that he had dreamed of back to his God when he was asked to offer Isaac. Would you be willing to do that this morning? As we come to this message, may I say to a congregation like ours, a church family, as I did in the early hour, and I say to this congregation, the reason most people in the world don't want the Christianity that we have is because they don't see Christians who willingly, wantingly give of themselves their whole lives back to God. They see frauds. They see fakes. They see emptiness in the religion you so-called have. 
And may I say to you, in my younger life, before I was a pastor, when I was in the workforce, and when I was running from God in my own believer's walk with the Lord, that is what I saw as well. A bunch of phonies, a bunch of fakes. And the reason is, is because there is an element of sacrifice that must be a part of who we are. The walk with God is a walk that is one wholly given over to the Lord. And that's what Genesis 22 does. By the way, the atheist, the agnostic, those that hate God and those that hate religion or particularly true faith in Jesus Christ, they will point to Genesis 22 and say, what a fickle God you have. He requires a human sacrifice. And then once he wanted it, he didn't want it anymore. That is not the story that unfolds in Genesis 22. No, it's a story of faith. And it's a story of you being willing, willing to give everything over to God. And until he knows, until he sees, and until you actually exercise yourself in such a way, there isn't true sacrifice to God. The surrender he made to leave Ur of the Chaldees and come to the Canaan or the promised land was a promise of blessing, not one of personal sacrifice. This was going to be personal sacrifice. The Apostle Paul says this, for those that might be asking this morning, well, what does it mean, sacrifice? I mean, am I really going to have to bloody somebody up? Am I really going to have to give one of my children? Some of you that have multiple kids might be thinking of one to give right now. I'll halt you in that opinion. That's not what I mean. Paul explains it in Romans 12 and verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, that is the life you live in this existence, a living sacrifice, a lifelong sacrifice, one might say, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, it only makes sense, service to him. David, on this idea of sacrifice and wholly giving ourselves over to God, understood that repentance with God began by sacrificing ourselves to God. Here's what he said in Psalm 51 and verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, thou wilt not despise. God loves you giving yourself wholly to him. The Apostle Paul to the Philippian believers willingly offered himself to God for them. The Philippians, it seems, were willing to do so in like fashion. In chapter 2 and verse 14 of Philippians, we begin reading there. It says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom... Ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. This is the heart of a pastor, we read, and he continues, yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith. In other words, if I'm willing to do this, here's what I hope to get. I joy and rejoice with you all. That's sacrifice. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. In other words, you're also sacrificially giving yourselves to the Lord in the calling that he has for you. Here's how Peter framed it in the New Testament. In 1 Peter 2 and verse 5, Ye also as lively stones, or stones that have been made alive, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. How? By Jesus Christ. 
the key to being used by God, is how much of you are you willing to offer or sacrifice back to Him? That's the key to success in the Christian life. There's a lot of believers that I know, there's a lot of Christians that say, I feel like I'm far from God, I feel like I don't know God, I feel like there's a distance between me and God. And the answer is, if you reserve anything from Him, there will be. That's why Genesis 22 is so absolutely essential to be a part of the walking with God in the life of Abraham. His walk by faith included the fact that there was nothing between his soul and the Savior. There was nothing that he would withhold from God. And by the way, as we're going to find out this morning, that means God would withhold nothing good from him. That's what sacrifice does. In my understanding of the Bible, Genesis 22 is the first time that God asks for personal sacrifice in following Him with no promise of reward. What we read in the first five verses, God doesn't qualify it to Abraham and say, listen, if you'll just go through with it, I'll take care of everything. No, He says, hey, your son that I promised you, your son that I gave to you, everything in your culture and in your life is wrapped up in your lineage, your hopes, your dreams, your ambitions, your plans, all of that I want you to offer to me. And you have no promise as what coming on the other side of it. Would you take that deal this morning? Would you do that? Would you wholly commit yourself not to a church, not to a man, not to a human being, but wholly commit yourself in offering to God, God, you have everything about me. That's tough. We might all say on a Sunday morning dressed in our Sunday best, yes, hallelujah, I'll do that. But the question is on Monday at noon when work has set in, would you still do it? On Friday, when you're at the end of the week and you're just exhausted and I I don't have any more energy to be spent and you just, would you do it then? Life of whole sacrifice to God is what God is after. So we begin our study this morning in understanding the faith and sacrifice with the test that is given, number one. The temptation, the test, the trial, the proof. Abraham's faith was tested by God in verse 1. The test was to give up everything that he wanted to God. Abraham wanted a son. He wanted a lineage. He wanted what everyone else in his age wanted, and that was a family for status and position in the world. Most of all, he wanted God's blessing of the promised seed. After all, that was given to the line of Seth, and in the flood it was given then through the line of Shem. And so his test begins, letter A, with God's request begins with what God asks from us. Verses 1 and 2, here's what God asks. Give me everything. I put it in your notes there, underneath letter A. Offer everything to me. Would you do that? I mean, God doesn't pull punches. He doesn't start in your life of faith by saying, oh, I just want a little bit of you. He says, no, I want all of you. And the question that we have to ask ourselves in our walk with God is, do I really want that? That's the difference between successful spiritual growth and no spiritual growth. Do I actually want all of God and am I willing to give all of myself to him? 
By the way, God doesn't make him do this. It is here just a request. It is not forced upon him. It is not a command in this instance. This is a genuine request. Hey, listen, the choice is yours. You've already shown faith in surrender. You've already shown faith in stewardship. You've already shown faith in your sanctification. But you, buddy, if you want to get to what next week's message is, if you want to find success, then you're going to have to sacrifice. No way about it. There's no two ways that you can make this up. It is this or no way. And the problem for most Christians is they're never a success with God. Oh, they come on Sunday morning and they show up and have a smile on their face and they're good, moral people. But I mean truly those that walk with God. That is our point this year. That's what we're looking at. When we looked at Noah, we saw grace. When we look at Abraham, we find faith. And if you're going to be a success with God, it means that your faith is going to cost you something. I might say it's going to cost you everything in your natural man. God does not make us do anything. Think on that for a moment. He's asking you this morning, are you willing to sacrifice for me? It is interesting in the Bible, God invites us to follow him. He never makes someone believe in him. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, today's the day of salvation. This message is not on that. This message is to those who are already believers in Jesus Christ. But if you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, He is not going to make you this morning. We are not going to lock the doors and not let you out until you get saved. Because Jesus doesn't do that. He invites us to follow Him. He asks us to obey Him. He allows us to deny Him. He even allows mankind to reject Him. But for those who have chosen to follow and obey Him, His request is this and this only. Offer everything to me and I will give everything to you. The question is, do we believe that? That's why it's a statement of faith. Faith in the sacrifice. That is the heart of this story. We find that from God's request, we see our response, letter B. We have two choices, obey or disobey. Mike, last Sunday evening, in lieu of preaching on Sunday morning because of the weather delay, preached a wonderful message from Deuteronomy on choices. Abraham has two choices in his response to God's request to sacrifice or offer everything back to him. The first choice he had was to obey or that of obedience. And thankfully, that's the one that Abraham chose. We notice in our reading in verse number 3, again, the Bible says, And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave, or cut the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up. And went unto the place of which God had told him. There is no hesitation in the obedience that Abraham shows. The Bible says he rose up early in the morning. I can tell you, I'm not certain how early in the morning I would rise up if God had come to me and said directly to me, Kyle, I want you to go with no equivocation and with no answers to your questions and offer Drew or Nate or Luke as a sacrifice to me. I would not understand it. I don't know that I would have rose up early, but Abraham did. He took the response of obedience. God, you have given and you have taken away, just like old Job said, blessed be the name of the Lord. 
If this is what your will is for my life, is this, if this is what you require for me, then I'm willing to offer it to you. That is a life of faith. That's hard to do. But the right response to God's clear request is always obedience. The proper response to God's commands, by the way, is also obedience. Unfortunately, we find that the second choice is where most of us live, and that is obstinance. It's not outright rejection, but it's just a hesitancy and a, well, I might know better on this situation than God is. You know, Matt, I really thought this through, and I don't feel like this is the right thing to do right now. Sadly, most of us are obstinate. We falter and we fail in God's requests of us because we do not like the requests he makes of us. Kyle, get rid of that sin. I'm not sure I want to get rid of that sin. Then you're not willing to give everything to me. You're not really ready to worship me as I require or as I request. Whatever the reason is, we find ourselves responding to God by saying, not now. Sometimes we find ourselves saying, not ever am I going to give that up, God. And may I say to you, this message is pointed directly at those souls. You must be willing to give up everything, God. You say, was that for salvation? No, you've been saved. But in that salvation, in that life of faith, in that walk with God, the requirement for success is everything is His. I'm willing to offer everything back to Him. The sad part for most Christians is we rob ourselves of God's blessings in this moment. And we are obstinate. If God is good enough to save you, why would he not be good enough then to care for you in whatever it is he's asking you to offer back to him? Well, I just don't trust him that way. Oh, my friend, the God of the universe who became flesh to die for your sins on Calvary, you can't trust enough with the control of your life and the direction of your living, the choices that you make. By the way, our faith is measured by what we are willing to give back to God. I'm just not giving that up. And your faith isn't very deep and it's not very strong. Our faith is measured by what we are willing to give back to God. Sadly, far too many believers, and for too many believers, they are willing to give a portion of their finances. But they're not willing to give themselves holy over to God. That's the great thing about the Philippian believers. When Paul is writing of them and their giving, he says they first gave themselves to the Lord. God doesn't care about what you possess. He owns everything. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't care about your career. He doesn't care about your possessions, your house or your car. He cares about you. Jesus did not come and die for your 401k or for your pension plan. He did not come and die for your house. He came and died for you. And so what he wants is for you to sacrifice yourself back to him. Boy, obedience becomes easy when I realize, hey, God, I'm just going to do what you say. I'm just going to let you control this, and I'm going to do what the Bible says. Not even just what Kyle says or my church says. I'm going to do what the Bible says. If the Bible says do it, then I'm going to do it. Because this is the living word of God. God tests our faith by requesting that we sacrifice 
everything to him. He then leaves the response to us. It is in the obedient response that we find, number two, the truth is lived. It is in how we respond to God that we find where the rubber meets the road, where the difficulty of this Christian life is. The test, we might say, is not on paper. It's not something you take to the professor at the end of the semester and say, Whoop, I made it. I, I got an A. No, the test or the truth is lived day by day, choice by choice, matter by matter, moment by moment. It is a test that must be lived. Subsequently, that means first, our attitude matters. Our attitude about how we approach God matters. Now, here's a truth about what Abraham knew. By the way, he knew far less about God than we do. He had lived 22 chapters of the Bible, 21 chapters of the Bible to this point, meaning he knew from oral tradition all of the early things pre-flood, perhaps through oral and maybe by some handwritten notes, if that was even around at his time, he knew the experiences of those of the line of Shem. He had only lived that. We have from chapter 22 all the way to Revelation 22 of the revealed word of God and how God so loves the world and us in the world. And so our attitudes are even more important to how we approach God and to how we offer back to God. Abraham, however, had been promised in Genesis 12, Genesis 15, and in Genesis 20, 21 that the promised seed would come through him or through Isaac in particular. Abraham did not know how, but he knew that God would keep his promises. He always had. He trusted in the very word of God even if this sacrifice would have been completed. That's an amazing thing if you go read the book of Job, a contemporary of Abraham, likely in historical terms. He too understood that there was an afterlife, and he understood that God was the God of life, and that he could bring those back to life if he so chose. Job speaks to this end, and it seems that Abraham is working under the same premise, or at least the same promise, that God is the God of life, and it doesn't matter what happens to us. Boy, that's the beginning of good sacrifice. If I know that God has good for me, and he means good for me as I love him, then it's not a hard thing to put away this selfishness, or this sinfulness, or all of this other terrible things that I hold in my heart and in my life. It is not a problem to offer those to God because I've been saved. Our attitude matters to God. To my Bible understanding, by the way, by Genesis chapter 22, no one had ever died and been brought back to life to this point in human history. Abraham's attitude, some of you are thinking if it's your first time in church, has it been that way ever? Yeah, there has been other Old Testament stories of it. Of course, Jesus Christ was died, was buried, and rose again the third day. The point is, to this point in history, there was no knowledge of that. But it seems that Abraham had an attitude, God, you can do whatever you want to do. That's a good heart of sacrifice. It's the beginning of it. Abraham's attitude towards God was one of trust and obedience. Friends, how you think affects how you act. What you think about God will affect how much you trust Him. By the way, for those of us who have Christi- uh, the, live the Christian life and have unbelieving friends or family members, they are 
watching you. If you do not trust God, then you will not give yourself, you will not give your life, you would not give your hopes or your ambitions or anything back over to His control because you don't trust Him. By the way, in our attitude, God does not take grudging offerings. Paul wrote to the Corinthians this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 6 through 8. I'm going to skip verses 9 and 10 because they are parenthetical. They're very purposeful where they're placed. But for our purposes this morning, the end of the sentence comes in verse 11. Here's how it reads. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. Put that within the context of sacrificing your whole life back to God. God, you can have everything about me. If you sow sparingly, you will what? Reap sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound unto every good work. In other words, if you sacrifice for God, you will never be left empty by God. Verse 11 finishes the sentence by saying this, "...being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God." In other words, the result of yielding wholly to God and God wholly pouring Himself into us is that we are in a constant state of thanking Him for His goodness. That's what he's saying. This is what Abraham is understanding. This is what he knows in this passage. Abraham's attitude towards God was that if God asked for him to sacrifice Isaac, he would do it willingly, whatever God was asking of him. But his expectation was that God would do willingly everything that he promised for him. Think about that. That is the way I approach trusting God. God, I'm giving you my whole life. Can I tell you something? There was a day that I had a career that was not a pastor. It was only 15 years ago that I became a pastor. And I remember distinctly when I left working for the government and working at the Pentagon, I said, God, I'm wholly trusting this is the right direction. I know exactly what Abraham is talking about. Maybe in your life it's a matter of, God, I have not trusted you completely, but today I want to trust you completely. Not for salvation, but in sacrifice, in offering back to Him. That can and should be our approach to our Christian walk. The sacrifice of our own ambitions and plans to God. Boy, there's a lot of parents that have a lot of dreams and plans for their kids. I have to sacrifice those. Abraham was willing to sacrifice his own kid if God said so. Yes. Your children are an heritage of the Lord. They're not yours. My three boys are not mine. They are a gift given for a season that I am to train and nurture in the admonition of the Lord and then shoot them off out into life, the Bible teaches me. Maybe there's some parents this morning that just need to come to the altar and say, God... Not only is my life yours to control, but my kid's life is yours to control as well. Give God control of everything in your life with the attitude that He will not withhold any good thing from you. Here's how the psalmist said that. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield in Psalm 84. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts. 
Blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. This could be written of Abraham. Well, if our attitude matters, then our actions matter as well, letter B. Read with me verses 3 through 10 as we see this active man, Abraham, in his obedience to God. The Bible says, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. They, then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. By the way, may I say, this place would become Mount Calvary, Mount Moriah, where he went and offered Isaac. It's the very same place that Jesus Christ's cross would be hung. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son and took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. Where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Please read carefully with me verse number 8. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. There is very little room for emotions and feelings in the writing of this passage. It's action, it's obedience, it's doing. The record shows an act of obedience, but you can rest assured that it is probably riddled with varying emotions. I put in your notes here a fact about this passage, however. Abraham settled by faith not fear or feelings, chose to obey God. That's important. In our world, in the day in which we live, there's a lot of things we don't do because we just don't feel like it. There's a lot of things that we don't end up doing for God that we know we ought to do for God because we're afraid of what will happen if we do it. The Bible tells us here that Abraham was not motivated by either of those things. He was rather motivated by the faith he had in Almighty God. He was settled in his faith that God was a good and benevolent God who would pour out blessings upon those who obey him. That is the fact that that he operated in. That's what motivated him. Not his fear and not his feelings. And may I say to you, actions matter to God. The journey took three days, and I have no doubt it was a somber journey. There was undoubtedly reflection and quiet conversations with many internal conversations that Abraham likely had with God. But none of those internal conversations deterred Abraham's actions or his faith that God would keep his promise through this one Isaac. When Isaac asked the obvious question that all of us would ask in verse 7, I've been to sacrifices, Dad. I know there's three key components and you're missing one. Abraham confidently responds, not knowing how God would provide, but that God would provide. My son, God will provide. Notice, and if it's not underlined in your Bible, himself a lamb for a burnt offering. There is probably no greater passage on salvation than this one. The simplicity of what God does in saving your soul. He provided himself a lamb. 
What profound truth in that moment. It is equally true for us in this very moment this morning. Jesus Christ is the provided Lamb of God. God did did provide Himself a Lamb, and that is Jesus, the perfect and ultimate Lamb, offered as a burnt sacrifice. You could write in the margin of your Bible here, Isaiah 53. You could write in the margin of your Bible here, John chapter 1 and verse 29 and verse number 36, where John the Baptist cried, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. That's Jesus. Sixty years after or so that John the Baptist cried that, after Jesus' crucifixion, after his burial, after his resurrection, after his ascension, after the formation of the church, after the propagation of the gospel message across the known world at that time, John the Apostle sees the glorified Son of God in Revelation chapter 1 and records the following beginning in verse number 14. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet, the feet of Jesus Christ, like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. Friends, Jesus literally walked through hell for you. His voice is the sound of many waters, and he had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I, John, saw him, I, John, fell at his feet dead, and he laid his right hand. Boy, that's a great picture in the Bible. Jesus extends the right hand of fellowship, not to an unbeliever, but to a believer. This lamb who was slain for John's very sins is appearing to him and he reaches out with his right hand of fellowship and lifts him up and he says, Fear not! I'm the first and the last. I'm he that liveth and was dead. And behold, hallelujah, I am alive forevermore. Jesus Christ was the eternal burnt offering provided for us by God himself. And so whatever would happen on that mount, whatever happened in that moment, Abraham did not know, but he knew the God who was asking him to sacrifice. May I say to you this morning, whatever God is burdening your heart for, whatever God the Holy Spirit is impressing upon your heart, whatever thing you are holding back from God, sacrifice it, offer it to Him today. The test is given. The truth is then lived. It must be in our attitude and actions. We find then in the story of this story of sacrifice that for the yielded, surrendered saints, such as Abraham was, number three triumph is known. Victory. What's victory look like? What does success look like? Well, we'll look at it in its fullness next week as we look at this man, Abraham. But really, the question is easy to answer. Is it worth sacrificing everything to the Lord? The answer is yes. Well, you believe that, Pastor. I'm not sure I do. And until you believe it, you will never know God's presence and promises that we're going to look at in just a moment. It's the thing that hinders close walk and fellowship with Him. And may I say to you, you don't know me as well as you think. There are days where it's hard for me to yield my entire person and my entire will to Him. That's the Christian struggle. That's why sacrifice doesn't come before. He doesn't require sacrifice to be saved. He requires it after we have been saved and we're walking with Him so that we might know the fullness of His person and presence. That's what sacrifice is. 
But pastor, if I do that, I'm going to lose out on my career. You might. If I do this, I might lose out on my fortune. You might. If I do that, if I give myself wholly to God, I might lose out on some relationships, even in my family. You might. I might be thought of as weird, as a zealot, part of a cult. You might. Holy following Jesus is never going to be understood by those in the world, those who live in their own flesh, or by the devil in his crowd. They don't understand it, nor will they. For those who walk with God as Abraham did in faith, it is then that you will know triumph, and that triumph is through, letter A, God's presence. We continue our reading in verse number 11, And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham... Abraham. Now, I wonder why in verse 1 he just said Abraham once, and here he says it twice. Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever taken time to spiritually contemplate why it is that God calls? Well, it's just, I mean, they wrote it twice, Kyle. I mean, come on. Pastor, you're being a little uh, obnoxious about the Bible here. No, it's, it's important. Every word of God is important. Why would he use his name twice? If I may, I want to give you a little insight. At our house, Drew is years away from driving, but we got an old farm truck. And Drew is allowed with me in the cab to drive the old farm truck around the five acres and then on to dad's five acres and and around the farm in, in the way that he wants. But when Drew's driving out in the open field, I might say, all right, Drew, turn here. All right, Drew, turn here. All right, Drew, turn here. But when I'm really intimately talking with him, like we're heading for a tree or a ditch or the dog, I will say, Drew, 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 I'll say it a lot. Right? Is that what God is doing here? And the answer is it's intimate with him. Abraham. Abraham. What does he go on to say? Here am I. By the way, those that are willing to sacrifice to God are always ready to answer God. And I think in this moment, especially because of the high cost of what he was offering, he was really ready to answer God. Yes! <laughs> Speak, Lord, thy servant here, like Samuel said. He said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest, you revere God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. Seeing thou hast not withheld your all for me. Verse 13, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. The picture of what Christ does for us in salvation. The Son of God, God the Father, offers his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Notice what Abraham does in verse 14. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, God my provider. God is our provision. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Friends, there is no greater joy than to know the full presence of God in your life. Abraham was obeying God 
even when it didn't make sense for him to give up all of the control and all of his future and all of his plans, he obeyed God and surrendered them to him. And we find God here talking to him, calling him by name, communing with him as friend to friend. When you give yourself wholly to God, my dear beloved friend, he gives himself wholly to you. That is an exchange of an immense gain for us. All you are giving him is your life. But it's my life. It's mine. I want to control it. If you let God control your every action, your every thought, your every motivation and movement, your life will be far greater and grander than you could ever imagine. The great missionary Jim Elliott whom I love and respect. In fact, our son, Nate Elliott Fannin, is named after Nate Saint and Jim Elliott, two of the missionaries that were killed by the Aka Indians, January 8, 1956. He said this. It's one of the great quotes that you can read in all of Christendom. He said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. What can I gain if I offer my whole life to God? The answer is all of God. He has another wonderful quote that I think is appropriate here. Jim Elliott also said, God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. And that's a good one. My favorite prayer that I've ever read from Elliott is this. Lord, make my way prosperous. Not that I achieve high station, but that my life may be an exhibit to the value of knowing God. Listen to that one again. Lord, make my way prosperous. What was prosperity to him? Prosperity to him then was knowing a deeper relationship with God. Lord, make my way prosperous. Not that I achieve high station, but that my life may be an exhibit to the value of knowing God. Friend, there is no peace, there is no joy, there is no elation or satisfaction greater than knowing God's presence. And in this moment, I have no doubt that Abraham fully understood the presence and provision of God. The fullness of His presence, however, comes only as we make our lives a living sacrifice for Him. The final thing for us this morning is God's promises. In verses 15 through 19, we read, And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn. In other words, it's an oath that can't be broken. Saith the Lord, For because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. Thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because, why? Finish it. Thou hast obeyed my voice. It's a heart, the attitude and actions of one who is sacrificing all for God. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba. By the way, you don't go back into sin once you've sacrificed all to God. You go back to sanctification. We talked about it two weeks ago. Beersheba means the place of the oath, the way in which we've made our commitment to God. Go back and fulfill your commitments, but don't ever stop offering all to God. These are God's promises. 
For those who give everything for Christ, there is a wonderful comfort that He gives all good things to us. James said in chapter 1 and verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness. In other words, it's not changing in nature. Neither shadow of turning. Of His own will begat He us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind or a type of firstfruits of His creatures, His creation. God's good gifts and gracious promises are what we live by day after day. If we live for wealth, if we live for fame, if we live for success in business, if we live for achievement and accomplishment, then you will live spiritually as paupers in this life. I can't say it any more clearly than that. However, if your whole being is given over to Jesus Christ, if you are trusting His promises of good for those who love Him, then like Abraham, your life will be blessed. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20, For all the promises of God in Him, in Jesus Christ, are yea and in Him, amen. That means so be it, unto the glory of God, how? By us. Let's make some application as we close then of this particular element of Abraham's walk with God. What does God ask you to sacrifice this morning? Your life? Your ambitions? Your dreams? Your relationships? The answer would be yes to all of them. They all must be in submission to who He is in your life. They must be sacrificed to Him, holy and acceptable. God wants you to offer all of these to Him. It is not as though He will not provide in return a wonderful life, perhaps good in many children, a purpose in a a career that is fulfilling, and relationships that are deep and powerful. He will return all of those things to you, but it doesn't begin until you first offer yourself to Him. God requires that we offer these things to Him so that each of those things can properly be placed below our relationship and belonging and purpose that we find in Him. The purpose of sacrifice is always to be mindful that God has the preeminence in our life. That is why Abraham was tested. The question you must ask yourself as a believer in Jesus Christ, is that if He willingly offered everything for us, that is God, and He did in Jesus Christ, are we willing to offer everything back to Him? Abraham realized that he was nothing before his surrender. He was nothing in his time of stewardship. He was nothing in his sanctification. And he was nothing for him to offer Isaac everything back to God. Why? Because God's worth it all. Question before us then this morning is do you have the same faithful opinion that Abraham did? God is worth the sacrifice. Father, help us, I pray, as we close.